What's going on, guys? It's Nick here. Back with another video. There are four teams on by this week. The 49ers, Lions, Jaguars, and Broncos. Those are four teams with a lot of fantasy-relevant players. So even though there's only four, there's going to be a lot more weeks where there are more teams on by. It is actually sort of a difficult week for buys. So let's start things off with the Thursday night game. Tonight's game, Titans at Steelers. Uh, in what seems to be the NFL's goal every single week, we have yet another week where the lowest total game or one of the lowest total games is in prime time. This game enters an embarrassing 36.5 point total Steelers, 2.5 point home favorites. For the Titans, DeAndre Hopkins exploded last week. He now faces a Steelers defense that's getting ripped apart by wide receivers, allowing an 18% boost to yards per reception. Uh, even in a very, very gross game, DeAndre Hopkins joins Derrick Henry as must-starts this week. Beyond that, nothing really to like on the Titans side. Um, I would really just stick with those two. No one else is getting any sort of real volume on that team. Then for the Steelers, uh, the Titans are an elite matchup for the passing attack, negative one for the running backs. With both running backs on the Steelers being so inefficient on the ground to begin with, I highly doubt either one of them is going to find a ton of success this week. Both grayed out in that general running back 25 range. But I would say if you have a different option, I'd lean away from Najee, away from Warren this week. Um, also being the Thursday game, like these are typically just lower scoring games, not as good for fantasy. And so if it's really close between a player on Thursday and a player on Sunday, just lean towards the Sunday player. Um, wide receivers are a little bit different. Pickens had a dud last week, but this is a great matchup. He's an incredibly talented wide receiver. I don't expect him to dud very often. Um, I'd feel pretty good about using Pickens, using Deontay Johnson as wide receiver twos this week. Um, I have them both projected as top 20 wide receivers, kind of like low end or mid range to low end wide receiver twos. Um, they're both just set up well. They're both talented. They both have a huge share of the passing attack. Like, it's a good spot for both of them. I play them both this week. Um, my interest sort of stops there for the Steelers, though. You're not playing the backup tight end with no pat. Um, Pickens, or Pickett's going to grade out fine as a streaming option, but they're actually a decent amount of streaming options this week. I like more. Um, and he's also never shown any sort of ceiling. Even if um, Pickett grades out well from like a... a average projection standpoint you know he's not going out there and dropping like 25 30 fantasy points so there's no real risk in just fading him and saying you know what maybe he scores 16 but at least start someone who could score 25 we are back at the 9 30 eastern kickoffs this week uh, and the second game this week will be played in germany It'll be also probably the best game of the week. So they got pretty lucky getting a really good game over there. Dolphins at Chiefs. I believe it's the highest total game of the week. Only game over 50 points. It's a 50 and a half point total. Chiefs, two and a half point quote unquote home favorites. Again, game is played in Germany. Neither one of them is home. For the Dolphins, A-Chain's going to be out at least one more week. So we're going to see a split between Mostert and Jeff Wilson. It's a fairly neutral matchup on the ground, um, though if you look at like running back fantasy points, it might be really negative because Kansas City historically gets up. That's bad for running backs. Like Running backs are typically in a trailing game script against Kansas City, and so it sets up as a tough matchup there. But on a per-touch basis, it's, again, relatively neutral on the ground. Um, it is 
projected to be a negative game script for Miami, but it's only two and a half points. There could definitely be a world here where Miami gets up and it's actually negative for Kansas City or it's fairly neutral overall. So not like an amazing spot for Mostert. You'd prefer they be, you know, like touchdown home favorites, but it's not a bad one either. He can still produce in this spot. Uh, you're definitely playing him, even if like the, the touch upside isn't there, like he's probably not going to get 20 touches. Uh, the touchdown expectation is incredibly high. He really only needs like 12 or 13 total touches to hit a ceiling that someone else might need 20 touches to hit. So start him uh, and then start Tua, start Hill, start Waddle every week. Um, and I would leave any sort of secondary piece alone on this side. Uh, there's really no deep analysis needed for the Dolphins. Like just play their core when healthy. Then for the Kansas City side. It's a positive matchup for the passing attack, negative one for the running backs. Mahomes, Kelsey, both must plays. Pacheco, still a quality running back too in this spot. I think the only real decision for the Kansas City side comes down to what to do with Rasheed Rice. He's my wide receiver 37 right now, and I'd feel pretty good about using him if you're looking in that range. Like I'm not benching, you know, my wide receiver 20 just to get Rasheed Rice in the lineups. But if you're looking in that like 33 to 40 range because you need to start someone at wide receiver three, second flex spot, even if you're desperate in the first flex spot, I think that's totally fine to play him. Snaps are trending up. And so when you have a player projected 37th, it's positive. It's not like, oh, well, 37th, but trending down or 37th, but that's where they're always going to be. It's trending up. Is there a chance that the snaps go even higher this week? The target share keeps increasing that he has his best game of the season this week? Definitely. Um, he's got, you know, 56 or more receiving yards in three straight, 56 yards or a score in six of eight games this season. So again, I'd feel pretty good playing him. Wide receiver three, second flex. But if you had to do it in the normal flex spot, that's fine. One o'clock games kick off with Vikings at Falcons, another low 37 and a half point total Falcons four and a half point home favorites for the Viking side cousins done for the year Jefferson still out and then Dobbs won't be starting yet this week he will in the future but not yet uh, so it's a pretty terrible situation overall uh, you're definitely going to want to just stick to the studs don't play secondary pieces on this side I think you're still playing Hawkinson because, you know, tight ends are trash anyway. So even if we were only projecting him for like six targets, which I have to think my projection is more than that, he still projects relatively well here because they're going to have to throw to someone. Uh, but even if he was projected for like six targets, you'd probably still play him because the tight end position is so bad. Uh, and especially since uh, tight ends are the best way to attack the Falcons, really good matchup for him. Uh, and then I have Addison projected 25th this week. Tough to project the Vikings offense in general. And the Falcons do have a quality defense um, and it's going to depend on what you have with Addison because since you drafted him later if you hit on three really good wide receivers and you can only play three I'm not forcing Addison into lineups anymore like we were the past few weeks but he still makes for a really good flex play he still does have upside but beyond that you're not playing anyone. Um, Akers is mixing in for like around 10 opportunities each week that really hurts the upside of Madison given the matchup Given no cousins, I really would just stick to Hawkinson and Addison. I would not play Madison. I would not play uh, Akers. I would not play Osborne. Then for the Falcons side, uh, the Vikings are actually a pretty tough matchup for running backs. They're positive, though, for wide receivers since they force a very low ADOT, but a very high catch rate. So we can see the receptions really rack up for these pass catchers if the Falcons are able to lean pass heavy. 
Heineke will also be starting for the Falcons, which is an upgrade over Ritter. Um, Ritter is very risk averse. He's not going to push the ball downfield, uh, which in this matchup would have been fine because everything underneath should be open. But Heineke is a more aggressive quarterback, which we love for fantasy because either what's going to happen is he's pushing the ball downfield and he's successful in doing that, which is great for, you know, London and Pitts, the two we're really looking at for the passing attack, or he's not going to be successful. He's going to turn the ball over, which will force a negative game script, which is positive for London and Pitts. So we just like aggressive quarterbacks. It's not a guarantee that he's going to be amazing, that they're going to go off, but it's an upgrade over Desmond Ritter. So ultimately, I think you're starting Bijan, you're starting London and Pitts this week. I think you're benching everyone else. Definitely a chance also that, you know, the Vikings offense just falls apart and that could open up two game scripts. Either the Vikings fall apart, uh, Falcons get up easy and they run it a lot, which would be bad for London and Pitts, good for Bijan. Or maybe they fall apart and that happens, but we get a few really short fields for the Falcons and they end up scoring, you know, 24, 27, 28 points, which will be positive for their studs because typically the touchdowns do still go to the studs on this team. So I don't think any of their like big three are slam dunks this week, but I think I would start all of them in this matchup. Next up, we've got the Seahawks at the Ravens. 43-point total, Ravens 6-point home favorites. For the Seahawks, at Baltimore is a brutal spot to play. One of the toughest places to play this season. Um, they grade out, as the Ravens do, a negative matchup all around every position, no matter what stat you're looking at. This is a difficult spot for Seattle. In this tough spot, um, they can succeed. You know, we saw them succeed last week. Like, the Browns were also a difficult matchup. Easier at home when you're playing. Uh, but the Browns were a tough matchup last week, and Seattle looked really, really good in that game. I don't think anyone on this team is a must-start, but I would say Ken Walker's close to it, given where you drafted him, given the state of the running back market every single season at this point. I think it would be weird if you weren't playing Ken Walker, but he is only my running back 19 right now, um, though that's still factoring in the risk that uh, Charbonnet is going to maintain the role he had last week, which was all these third downs, all the two-minute snaps, like he's going to take the passing down snaps and he's going to mix in on early downs and that's obviously going to hurt the ceiling for Walker. Even factoring that in, I would still play Ken Walker this week. Um, but beyond him, no one's a must play. Um, Baltimore limits yards per carry. They limit yards perception. They limit catch rate. Like they just, everything is difficult against Baltimore. So there's a risk that, you know, Seattle can't find a lot of success this week. I'm definitely fine playing Lockett, playing Metcalf if you need them. Neither one grades out as anything more than a wide receiver three, though, this week. Then for the Ravens side, um, Seattle's a tough matchup for running backs, but they can definitely be attacked with wide receivers, relatively neutral for tight ends. You're playing Lamar, you're playing Andrews no matter what. Um, and I would say Flowers isn't a must-start, but he's a strong start this week. My wide receiver, 18. And Gus is actually viable as my running back, 20. Gus took over um, a much larger share of the backfield last week. And while you don't really ever expect him to do anything more than, like, get carries, he's not really going to get targets, like, his touch expectation is relatively high. Um, his touchdown expectation, though, that's the one we're really looking for. Um, the Ravens do have the fourth highest team total of the week. So we're expecting Baltimore to score a lot of points here. And he's the guy they're looking at recently in the red zone. He had like three rushing touchdowns last week. He's going to score at a very high rate in this matchup. And 
while it's unfortunate that like if he doesn't score, he's probably only getting you like seven points, even in full PPR. He's got multi-touchdown upside. He's got a good chance of scoring. I think if you have him and, you know, it, it's coming down to him and someone else and it's close, I would probably lean towards Gus this week. Bears at Saints is up next. 41-point total. Saints, 7.5-point home favorites. For the Bears, uh, Fields will be out this week, so we're going to get another start from Bajan. Uh The Saints are obviously a very difficult matchup all around. We kind of talk about them every week as, you know, not a defense like the Browns like Baltimore, but a defense that is consistently very, very good. I'm projecting the Bears for less than two touchdowns this week. That's going to hurt everyone's upside because there's a decent amount of players there still. If we're only splitting potentially one touchdown, it's going to limit everyone's ceiling, obviously. DJ Moore, Cole Clement, they're the best plays on this team. Um, I'm definitely fine playing them, but they're lower end options this week. Um, you could play Roshan, you could play Foreman. But again, neither one of them really stands out. If they're going to roughly split the touches in a difficult matchup and we're not expecting many touchdowns, both are projected outside my top 25 running backs. I don't think you need to play either one of them. I'm just not expecting a whole lot from the Bears this week. So I would probably stick to DJ Moore if you need him, Cole Clement if you need that tight end. Everyone else doesn't really feel like a very good play this week. Then for the Saints side, um, the Bears are the ultimate pass funnel. They are number one in yards per carry allowed. They're a very, very good defense at limiting running back production, but they're below average in yards perception, well below average in catch rates. So you're going to be highly efficient through the air and highly inefficient on the ground. Um, they're also facing the seventh highest opponent pass play rate. So teams are recognizing that this season, knowing they can find success through the air and throwing the ball against them. Kamara, Olave, must starts every single week. And Derek Carr this week is actually an excellent streaming option. The volume should be there and he should be efficient. So he's got a good chance of throwing for like 300 yards and two touchdowns. I would play him this week, especially if you picked him up from his great matchup last week. Another option to stream him this week. Um, had a relatively up and down season. Uh, and it's unfortunate, you know, that Taysom Hill is always there stealing those goal line touchdowns. But the matchup is fantastic. Still good floor and ceiling. I would feel comfortable streaming him this week. Uh, Shahid versus Michael Thomas usually comes down to man versus zone. Shahid is elite at destroying zone coverage. We saw a lot of zone coverage last week. He had a really good game. Michael Thomas, I wouldn't say is elite at anything, but he has a very high um, man coverage target share. So when the defense runs a lot of man coverage, his target share goes up. When they run zone coverage, it goes down. The Bears do play a decent amount of zone coverage, but they've been increasing their man coverage rate a lot recently. So the matchup slightly leans towards Michael Thomas over Shahid. But with Shahid, you know, it really just comes down to one play. He's not going to rack up a lot of receptions. And if he hits on a 60-yard touchdown, his day is made off one play. So if you were using Shahid before as like a boom bust, you know, second flex play, I don't see any reason to not go with him this week. Uh, but I would say like it's a pretty decent matchup for Michael Thomas. And so if you were desperate in that flex spot, you had to use someone, you had Michael Thomas. I think both of these players are flex viable. Michael Thomas, not usually an amazing play. I think a decent one this week. Just know there's a clear difference between these two. Like Shahid is a much, much lower floor play, but one with a higher ceiling. Michael Thomas is a very high floor, but no real ceiling. So if you needed 25 points, you're probably not going to Michael Thomas this week. 
But if you needed 10, he's probably good to get you 10 points. Um, a lot of people ask about Taysom Hill every week. He's the same every week. It's a boom-bust tight end play. Now many tight ends are boom-bust tight end plays, right? Almost every single one besides what? Like Hawkinson and Andrews and Kelsey? I mean, that's probably it, right? So yeah, he's totally fine to play every week. Just understand that he could easily go out there and score one point with no pass attempts, no receptions, and like 10 rushing yards, right? So definitely always grades out better in standard and then gets worse as you move into full PBR because he could have zero receptions and that just hurts, obviously. But he could have two rushing touchdowns, right? Any single week. We saw last week he kind of hit his ceiling. Uh, so yeah, the touchdown upside is there, but obviously a low floor. Next up, we've got the Cardinals at the Browns. Low, 37 and a half point total. Browns, eight point Home favorites. The Cardinals are not projected to score very many points this week. I have them projected for 1.56 offensive touchdowns. That is horrible, and it limits everyone's ceiling. Ceiling is reached through touchdowns. If you're not scoring touchdowns, it's harder for you to be a really good play in fantasy. They're also starting Clayton Tooney, which you know is obviously going to further cap everyone's upside, especially on the road against the Browns defense. Uh, you can start Amari DiMercato as a low-end running back two. That's all a volume-based play. Uh, you could start Trey McBride as a low-end tight end one. Both have very low floors in this spot. I'd be completely fine benching either one of them, even though McBride went off last week, even though DiMercato's been getting a ton of touches. If you had other options, I would be fine putting both on the bench. Uh, Marquise Brown, Michael Wilson, They'll be great plays in the future. Uh, only my wide receivers, 43 and 53 this week. Both can be left on benches. Then for the Browns, uh, Donald Peoples-Jones is gone. He was traded to the Lions this week, but doesn't really impact a lot. Cedric Tillman's probably just going to soak up virtually all of those targets, maybe even all of them. So I don't, I'm not changing the projection on Amari Cooper, Joku, Elijah Moore. I don't think it really impacts them all that much because also TPJ wasn't really involved to begin with. Uh, the Cardinals defense is certainly below average, but they're not awful. They really just find themselves in so many negative game scripts that you know running backs score a ton against them because teams just get up. They're able to run the ball a lot and they give up a lot of fantasy points because of that. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Browns aren't going to be amazing at taking advantage of that because they're running a three-run back committee. So even if running back in general as a position does well against Arizona, if you're giving the ball to Ford and Hunt and you're just mixing in um, Pierre Strong, like it's difficult for all of them or even one of them to really break out. I have Ford my running back 23 right now, Hunt 25th, Strong 46th. Um, and I actually think Hunt probably has the best chance of scoring among those three. And we really want scoring for fantasy production. Uh, but ultimately, Ford is probably going to lead in opportunities. Hunt has the best chance of scoring. Strong will steal enough looks that it's like none of them are amazing plays. But if you had to use Ford or Hunt, it's still a very good spot for them. The wide receivers and the Browns are also in a pretty good spot this week. Um, Arizona has allowed the third best catch rate while also allowing an above average yards perception. So a lot of teams we talk about, maybe they limit catch rate, but it's because yards perception is higher. So they're allowing targets deeper downfield, which have a lower catch rate, or that they're forcing shallow targets. Arizona is just like, we can't defend you uh, downfield, but also you catch the ball at a very high rate as well. So Amari Cooper, low end wide receiver two, Elijah Moore can be used a low upside uh, wide receiver three, maybe a play in the flex. I really wish they'd use him more downfield and maybe that'll develop over time. But for now, Elijah Moore just like 
he doesn't see any targets downfield, and that obviously limits his upside in fantasy. Um, and then I would say David Njoku, he's my 10 and 10 this week, comes down to what you have. If you have a top five option, go with them. If you're streaming right now and you're like, can I use Njoku? Definitely. Um, he's looked pretty good recently as well. Next up, we have Bucks at Texans, 40-point total. Uh, Texans are two-and-a-half-point home favorites. For the Bucks side, uh, the Texans' run defense has actually been pretty strong on a per-play basis. The problem is uh, a league-high 61.5% of touchdowns against that team comes on the ground. And so fantasy production is way up for running backs because even if on a per-play basis you're slightly less efficient, the biggest thing for fantasy is touchdowns. And so if everyone scores touchdowns against them on the ground, running backs are going to score a lot of fantasy points. Um, that offers some hope uh, in what's been a very disappointing season for Rashad White. Given the matchup, uh, given his passing game usage as well, I think you're playing Rashad White as a running back too in all formats. Um, certainly would be nice if he could score a second touchdown on the season. Uh, it's not a lock, but it's a, it's the best spot, you know, not even a good spot. It's the best spot for rushing touchdowns for running backs. So hopefully he can finally score again this week. Uh, behind him, you're starting Godwin. You're starting Evans as like mid-range wide receiver twos pretty much every single week. Nothing about this matchup screams you can't play them, but it's not an easy matchup. I would just say, you know, those three, White, Godwin, Evans, they have between 13.2 and 14.2 expected fantasy points per game, and it's relatively consistent. It's not one of them going off, you know, then doing nothing for three weeks, then going off. Like every week, they're in that general range, and so they're pretty safe plays, even in for the wide receivers, what's not an amazing matchup. I just think you're playing those three, and you don't play anyone else. I mean, no one else on this team has more than six and a half expected fantasy points per game. No one's getting volume besides those three. Only play them. Uh, on the Texan side, they fell on their face last week um, against an inferior Panthers team. Like, they should have won that game. They definitely played more conservatively than they should have. They got up. They were up for most of the game, but they weren't up by that much, and they allowed the Panthers to stay in it, to have an amazing drive to end the game, to just drain the entire fourth quarter clock, kick a game-winning field goal, like, that's on you as the Texans. You should have won that game. You should have played faster, thrown the ball more. They chose not to. They chose to play safe, and they lost because of that. Um, no one grades out as, like, a must-play this week, but Nico Collins is set up pretty good in this spot. He's got a good target share, good yards perception. Uh, there's nothing about this matchup that stands out and says that you can't defeat that through the air. Uh, the Bucks are weaker against the pass than they are the run. Uh, the Texans ultimately choose to lean pass heavy more often than not. It was weird last week, although I'll say teams run the ball at a much higher rate against the Panthers. So the matchup did set up for the ground game, but again, they lost because they didn't choose to throw the ball as much. Um, I think you're playing Nico Collins as a wide receiver too. I think Tank Dell can definitely be used as a wide receiver three in the flex spot. And then I would say Dalton Schultz, fine as like a low-end tight end play. Um, nothing standing out, especially for Tanktel or Schultz, but if you've been using them, there's no reason not to use them this week. Uh, Stroud's also a pretty decent quarterback streaming option, though I would say if you're choosing between him and Carr, I definitely prefer Derek Carr. Uh, backfield is kind of where I'd hold off this week. Singletary's been getting more usage in the last few weeks, and neither one of them has been very good this season. In a negative matchup, I think both Pierce and Singletary, I would just leave on the bench. Next up, we've got Commanders at Patriots, 40.5 point total. Patriots actually 3.5 point home favorites. That's the uh, state of the Commanders right now. 
even after last week when they played really well against the Eagles. The commander side, uh, New England has allowed the second lowest yards per carry in the league, but has been pretty average against the pass. In New England, difficult spot, uh, but it's still an okay spot for the commanders in that this isn't the New England defense of the past where it was impossible to move the ball against anything really difficult on the ground. You can find success throwing the ball against them. The commanders also dropped back more than anyone in the league, so it's likely they're leaning towards the area that New England is weakest. Uh, last week was the first time all season that Sam Howell wasn't sacked at least four times. Sacked at least four times in every game leading up to last week. Then he drops back, I think it was 53 times. You'd expect like six or seven sacks in a matchup with the Eagles last week. Uh, so maybe reversal, maybe they started to figure something out. Um, but a dangerous spot still for him in that he's playing Bill Belichick. Like, historically, Bill's been ripped apart by, like, high-quality quarterbacks. But young quarterbacks, he typically is able to confuse a little bit more. Last week's performance gives us hope for Sam Howell, but we know Sam Howell's not elite. We know he can fall apart in this spot. So, you know, a very wide range of outcomes for the commanders this week. There's hope, though, for Jahan Dotson. We really liked him this offseason. He is a very talented player. Been weird that like him and McLaurin have had such a low target share this season and such you know minimal production, even though they're dropping back more than anyone in the NFL. But Dotson last week brought in six of his eight targets for 100 yards and a score. Uh, he's had eight and 10 targets, or excuse me, it was eight of his 10 targets. I don't know what I said before. He caught eight of his 10 targets, 108 and a score, a really good game from Dotson. He has eight and 10 targets as well over the last two weeks. So he's been much more involved recently. Hopefully that continues. Um, both things are looking up for both these two, but I still don't think I would fully trust either one of them as like a slam dunk must play. I think McLaurin is still a great play in the flex. I think Dotson can be used in the flex spot, but I don't think either one of them, I'd be like, awesome, gotta play at wide receiver two. Talent is there, opportunity should be there, and it has been in the last few weeks, but will that continue this week? One thing to watch out for, though, is Curtis Samuel. I haven't checked like this morning, but it seems like he's trending towards being out. If he's out, Crowder will assume a lot of that slot role, but also it'll be a bump for McLaurin and Dotson. And so if Samuel's out, you know, it's even more incentive to say, okay, production's been there recently. Let's finally start to trust McLaurin and Dotson in the flex. For everyone else, uh, pretty low-end play. Logan Thomas is a low-end tight end play. Brian Robinson's a very low-end, very touchdown-dependent running back, too. Someone you probably don't need to play this week. And Sam Howell, find a stream, but there's a lot of good streaming options this week. I don't think I would stream Sam Howell. Final 1 o'clock game is going to be Rams at Packers, 39.5-point total. Packers, 3-point home favorites. For the Rams side, Green Bay is a largely neutral matchup overall, though... With Stafford likely out, it's unlikely we see a ton of production on the Rams' side. Um, we will see who their quarterback ends up being this week. But regardless, I think you have to play Cup. You have to play Puka. Uh, Henderson, Freeman can probably be left on benches. They're very low in running back plays, though. The volume will still be there. And they're probably going to lean run heavy. It's just probably going to be largely empty volume. Uh, and also, there's a chance. And we haven't seen it because Green Bay's been so bad. 
But there's a chance that if Green Bay can ever find out their offense, right, they can ever sustain drives and score the ball, they're a team that's going to play slow. And so there's a risk that play volume is very down on the Rams side because if the Rams are playing slower with, you know, poor quarterback play, if they're running the ball a lot, which leads to slower plays as well, if Green Bay figures themselves out, can sustain drives, and they'll also play slow every week, we could see a very low volume game from the Rams and they'll be inefficient. So very low floor in everyone on the Rams side. But again, I think you're definitely playing cup. I don't care who the quarterback is, play cup. Um, I know he's been bad recently, but you have to play him. And then I think you still play Puka, uh, but temper expectations definitely for those two. And you can play Henderson, you can play Freeman. It's just like they're probably both going to be around 10, 12 touches, but I don't think they're going to be very efficient on those touches. Maybe a little bit more, maybe more like, 12 to 13 touches each, but it's it's just not a good spot for them. Uh, for the Packers side, fingers crossed, uh, we're finally going to get a breakout game from Aaron Jones this week. I think he's a great trade target. Um, season high in snaps last week. I think he's been the healthiest since getting hurt. I guess he was the healthiest in week one, but healthiest since he's been you know in that position hurting the hamstring. Um, I would play running back too. I would trust it. And I think I'd also play Christian Watson running at wide receiver too. Um, like Jones, he's had a very forgettable season, but the upside is obviously there. He's a very talented player. He should be fully healthy now. He's going to break out soon. I know it's been very frustrating having him. And, and if you have great options, otherwise don't force him into your starting lineup. But if you had to play Christian Watson this week, I think he's still a good play. Um, but yeah, the offense has been very frustrating. Um, Dobbs is talented. I love what I've seen from Jane Reed, from Luke Musgrave as rookies. Until Jordan Love doesn't look like trash, honestly, I think you're sticking with Jones and Watson and maybe Dobbs. I don't think you can play Reed. I don't think we're playing Musgrave right now. I want to see Jordan Love look half decent before starting those guys. Four o'clock games kick off with Colts at Panthers, 44 and a half point total. Colts, two and a half point road favorites. For the Colts side, uh, the Panthers are an elite matchup for running backs. I alluded to it before. Uh, teams run the ball. They lean run heavy against the Panthers. They've allowed a 14% boost yards per carry. Uh, third highest rush play percentage against them. Fourth highest rushing yards per play against them. The most rushing touchdowns per game against them. So it's a great spot for running backs. Last week, Jonathan Taylor had 11 carries for 94 yards at halftime. They entered down one. And then he had one carry for one yard in the second half. They lost the second half 17 to 7, and they struggled to move the ball. We have not heard yet if that was a coaching decision, if that was from injury. People have pointed out one play right before half where Taylor looked a little bit banged up, and so could that have been something? They asked him about it. He said it was nothing. The team has said he's fine. So just a weird situation that he was dominating the first half. They were, you know, right in the game, down one. Then they couldn't move the ball in the second half, and they weren't using him. And it's like, well, maybe if you use your best player, you'd be able to move the ball, right? It was a weird situation, but it seems like he's fully healthy. Um, he still did out-snap Zach Moss pretty significantly. If things keep trending his direction, he's going to be a great play every week. I would say it's tough to trust either one of their touches, but in this spot, it shouldn't matter. Even if they're in a 50-50 split, this is a fantastic spot for both of them. I think you can start both of them as running back twos this week. Is there a chance that Taylor completely takes over, you know, kicks out Zach Moss, it's an 80-20 split, and you're like, oh no, why did I play Moss? 
certainly. My guess is that even this week, at worst, it's probably a 60-40 split. But even on the 40 side for Zach Moss, good chance of scoring a touchdown, probably going to be efficient on the ground, likely a positive game script. I think it's a good spot enough for both these guys. I'd play both them at running back two. Um, other than that, though, you're really just sticking with um, the players that you know, you've know you been sticking with. Pittman's a good play. Josh Downs, if you've been using him in the flex, there's no reason to not play him this week. They could certainly lean more run heavy than they have traditionally, but they run a ton of plays. There is still a chance that the Panthers are competitive in this spot and that the Colts still air the ball out. If you were playing Downs, keep playing him, and I don't think anyone's benching Pittman right now. The Panthers side, um, they got their first win last week, though it's not like their offense looked amazing. It was more, uh, honestly, the Texans lost that game more than the Panthers won it, but they still got their first win. Uh, fortunately, Colts are a great matchup. They allow um, so many plays for their opponents, and they allow relatively high efficiency. Also positive for the Panthers side uh, in the first week, that Thomas Brown was calling plays, we see an elevated pass rate over expectation. That's notable. Like there are probably going to be more pass heavy than there were before. If they lean pass heavy in the spot, this could be a good spot for Bryce Young. He's a quality streaming option this week. I think you're definitely playing Adam Thielen every week, especially if they're going to lean more pass heavy and sneaky upside for Jonathan Mingo. I don't think anyone in 8, 10, 12 team lean needs to play Jonathan Mingo, but if you've got, you know, a larger starting roster, you've got like three wide receiver spots and two flex spots. You're in a 14 or 16 team league. Like if you had to go there, I have him ranked 45th. I have to imagine that's the highest I've ranked him all season long. I think it's a good spot for Mingo. I think he could play well. But again, if you're in a 12-team league with like two wide receivers and one flex, you probably do not need to go there. Uh, but watch him. Watch the snaps. Watch the targets. I think he's in a good spot this week. Um, toughest call is with the running backs. I don't see how you could play Sanders after getting two carries for zero yards, especially, again, first game for Thomas Brown. That may have just been a coaching decision, being like, I want to go with Chuba. Chuba also didn't look good. And if they're going to lean more pass heavy, it's not great. Um, I don't trust the split, so I don't think I'd play either one of them, but if you had to play one, it would be Chuba Hubbard. Next up, we've got the Cowboys at the Eagles, 46-point total, Eagles three-point home favorites. For the Cowboys side, uh, Philly is a tough matchup for running backs, but um, fairly neutral for the passing attack. Pollard and Lamb, their weekly must-starts, and I would throw Dak in there this week, just given you know the state of the quarterback market. There's a very clear top like seven or eight quarterbacks right now, and then a bunch of streaming options. Dak is in that top seven or eight. He played fantastic in a difficult spot last week. Um, you know, Sam Howell just threw the ball for I think it was what 397 yards against them last week. I have to think Dak's going to find success this week. I think you have to be playing him. Um, only other player really looking at is Jake Ferguson. He's my tight end six right now, thanks to really good touchdown odds. But understand, that I'm only projecting him for about five targets. If he does not score a touchdown this week, he will probably only score like six PPR points. But he's projected for a decent amount of touchdowns, or at least not a decent amount of touchdowns. Less than one touchdown, obviously. Uh, but he's you know got a really good share in the red zone. Projected for a decent chance of scoring a touchdown. That's all you can really ask for for tight ends is that 
Can you get into the end zone and elevate rate? Because if not, you need a lot of production between the 20s. Um, I think he's got a good chance of scoring. I think you can play him this week. Um, I know some of you are going to want to play Brandon Cooks after two pretty good games in a row. He only projects him in wide receiver 48 right now. I'd like to see it one more week. I'd like to see the target share get a little bit higher, see him get a little bit more efficient before fully trusting him. But if you're in the wide receiver 48 range, he's fine to go to as well. Again, given the success that we just saw the commanders having as the Eagles passing the ball last week. Then for the Eagles side, um, this is obviously a tough spot against Dallas, but you're playing Hurts, Swift, Brown, Goddard every single week. Have to play them. Devonta Smith is the only real decision here. Um, he's only grading out as my wide receiver 32 on average. Again, projections are like an average outcome. For him, he does have a great ceiling, especially if Dallas tries to slow down A.J. Brown. Well, the player that's going to benefit the most from that is Devonta Smith. But even if that doesn't happen... He's a good enough player. I, I know that Brown's been going off this season. He's been amazing. But Devonta Smith's still a very talented player on average. If you look at like a wide receiver 32 on average, you look at the players around him. He's got a higher ceiling. So if you're making that call in that general range, I lean towards Smith because I lean towards ceiling. Who's someone that on average will project here but could win me the week? That's Devonta Smith. Next up, we have Giants at Raiders. This game is a very low 37 point total and the Raiders are one and a half point home favorites which is pretty embarrassing for the Giants honestly since Daniel Jones is expected to be back and the Raiders are going to be starting Aiden O'Connell so in a low total game like this to be underdogs I don't know I feel like it speaks a lot to how little confidence betters have in the Giants right now for the Giants they got embarrassed last week they threw for negative nine net passing yards you can't have that happen. Uh, their opponent is much easier this week, and we're expecting Daniel Jones back. So better spot, obviously. We're expecting more than negative nine net passing yards. But even knowing that, I'd start Saquon. He's getting incredible volume right now. And I think you can stream Daniel Jones if you need him because of the rushing upside. Other than that, I'd leave this team alone. Darren Waller being hurt, you know, opens up the offense and it gives opportunity to these wide receivers, but you're not playing the backup tight ends. And until someone like really does something for the wide receivers, play Daniel Jones if you need him. Play Saquon. It'd be like just trying to guess which wide receiver is going to do something. And I don't want to do that. Then for the Raiders, uh, Aiden O'Connell will get the start at quarterback. Jimmy G has been awful. So I don't think it's a big downgrade. With that being said, they're probably going to play slower this week. They're probably going to run it at a higher rate with a O'Connell quarterback. So situationally, I do view it as a slight downgrade, even if the quality of targets doesn't really change or even increases a little bit. Um, I would still play Jacobs. Uh, he's been one of the most featured running backs in the league. Giants are allowing the fourth most yards we carry in the league right now. They could also kind of lean on him in this spot. So I would definitely keep playing him. Uh, and then you play Adams every week. I don't care if it's me at quarterback. Play Adams. The biggest question mark is with Jacoby Myers. And I think it's going to come down to what you have. He's my wide receiver 28 right now. I think he's fine to play in the flex. Um, Aiden started in week, what was it, week four against the Chargers. Uh, it was 13 targets for Adams, 11 for Jacobs, and only four for Myers. Tough to go off of a one-game sample, though. And I don't think that's going to be the split long term. I think it's going to be much closer. Like Adams will still be the lead. But I think it's going to be closer between him and Myers. And I also don't think Jacobs is going to have 11 targets every week. So I'd expect Myers to keep being solid. 
Uh, but if you were hesitant, if you had someone else, you can definitely lean away from it, see what happens this week, and move on from there. Uh, but if you had to play Myers, again, wide receiver 28, not a bad play. Sunday night game will be Bills at Bengals. 49-point total should be an incredible game to watch. Bengals, only two-point home favorites, should be a close game. For the Bills side, uh, Allen, Diggs, Kincaid, I think they're all must-starts. I doubt Fournette plays this week, but kind of watch the reports there. If he's out, it's like not a bad spot for Cook and Murray, but definitely a spot where like the Bengals could push the pace here. You know, they could get up, they could force aggressiveness from uh, the Bills. And then if that happens, Cook and Murray don't have high enough target shares to really be great in a negative game script. They kind of need more positive game script. So there's a little bit of risk here, but I would still say James Cook is playing well enough to where I'd play him Ernie Mac too. Doesn't have a great chance of scoring because when they get close, they bring in Murray, you know, uh, Josh Allen will score a touchdown, but he could still go out there, have like 60 rushing yards, 20 receiving yards. And if he finds the end zone, have a really good day. Um, but again, that's all assuming that Fournette is inactive. If Fournette becomes active, if we know that on Sunday, it becomes really tricky. And I'd almost want to just bench everyone, see what kind of happens. Bengals still a good matchup, allowing the third most yards per carry in the league. And again, James Cook has been really good when given opportunity this season, but I think it's going to come down to Fournette. If Fournette doesn't play, I think James Cook is a quality running back too. If Fournette plays, I'm a little bit more hesitant. Uh, only other player really looking at is Gabe Davis, and I definitely play him this week. Um, I kind of talked about how there's a possibility we see a negative game script from the Bills, and that could lead to a ton of pass attempts. But also, I know Gabe is a volatile player, but without Knox, they went to a lot more three wide receiver sets, and it also allowed Gabe to play a little bit closer, not only have deep targets. He had a 99% snap share. He had 12 targets last week. That's the second most of his career. Again, finally not getting only downfield looks. That's going to elevate his floor. He still has the ceiling because he'll still get deep looks. Like, I just think it's a great game environment. I would definitely play Gabe Davis if you have him this week. In a super deep league, you could look at Khalil Shakir. He had a great game last week, although most of that production was early on. Uh, he's risky, though. That's like the only good game he's had. Um, obviously, it came in the spot without Knox when we were kind of looking at Shakir being like, yeah, you could have more opportunity this week. Um, I'd still only play him in a deep league, though. For the Bengals, uh, Burrow, Mixon, Chase, all must starts. And then I would personally play Higgins in the spot. Again, it's a great game environment. We could see this game pop off. Um, he only grades out as a wide receiver 31, but he's also kind of like Devonta Smith. Him and Devonta Smith are like players that, yeah, they grade out there on average, but they have a pretty high ceiling for being rated that low. It's going to depend on what you have for T. Higgins. Like the Bengals are home. Burrow looks healthy. If you've got, you know, three top 20 wide receivers, you can probably bench him. But if you're looking in that general range, I think I'd really like playing him this week. But I would say I still prefer Gabe. I'd rather play Gabe over T. Higgins if that's the decision you're coming to. Then finally, Monday night game, Chargers at Jets, 40-point total, Chargers, three-point road favorites. For the Chargers, Herbert, Eckler, Allen, all must starts. And honestly, not sure I'd play anyone else. The Jets have a very... Strong defense, especially against the pass. Palmer has looked good at times. Quentin Johnson got more work last week, but that was against the Bears. That was in an ultimate, you know, pass funnel. And Palmer's look good in other matchups. This is the Jets. You're playing at the Jets this week. It's not a good spot. I'd stick to their big three. 
Then for the Jets, uh, a similar story, not in that the Chargers have this defense we're fearing, but that, you know, they have Zach Wilson, a quarterback. And so we're not going to secondary pieces over there. Uh, play Brees Hall, play Garrett Wilson, bench everyone else. So that is a breakdown of every single game this week. If you want to see my exact rankings and projections for every player, even the ones we didn't talk about today, uh, also updated multiple times per day for the latest news and injury reports, uh, you can check that out on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. I'll be back Saturday to go over my favorite underdog picks this week. But that'll do it for this one. Make sure you leave a like if you watched this far. Remember to subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.